The following is a special presentation of the coach's office. I never pun on Madden. Go Knowles. I don't even know what roll tide means. I mean, let them in. What is there to lose? Oh yeah. Yeah, all right. Glad to have you in here. Why was everyone so concerned with the outfield play for the movie to be called Angels in the Outfield? Where'd you get your shirt, Foot Locker? Uh-oh, Murphy's gone. And now your host, Kyle Donahue and Matt Ripley. How's it? Welcome into the podcast. My name is Kyle Donahue, along with my good friend on the offensive side of the ball, Matt Ripley. Matt, how's it going today? Excited to be here. Episode 5, full of great stuff, great interviews. Kyle, tell them what's going on. Yeah, we have definitely a great show. We've got racing coming up. We've got a racing preview uh, with Daytona coming up. We're going to be talking NFL playoffs. we got the championship games this weekend. And also on the show today, a bulk of our show is going to be a fantastic interview uh, with a friend of the show, video producer for the L.A. Rams, Sandarvis Duffy. Yeah, we're excited to have him. A uh, good friend of mine. We went into uh, went to college together uh, at Tusculum, and he's doing big things out on the West Coast. Very grateful, very thankful for him. Uh, we're just getting started, episode yeah, five, and for him to come on the show to take time out of getting ready for the NFC title game. He's headed to New Orleans uh, for that big championship game. So, again, uh, County is uh, what I know him as. Uh, we appreciate you being on the show, and we look forward to, to sharing your interview uh, uh, with the world. So you mentioned we've got the race coming up. Our good friend Cody Early, he's uh, going to be coming with us on this coach's office journey. Uh, as he'll be bringing us a race preview and, and race recap uh, each week. And right now he's got a look into Daytona. That'll be coming up only in a short few weeks. So uh, let's cut it to Cody around the track. Engines will come to life in less than a month at Daytona. For your NASCAR preview, my name is Cody Early. The 2019 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series season gets underway with Speed Weeks 2019. Headlined by the Advance Auto Parts Clash Sunday, February the 10th at 3 o'clock from Daytona. This race will feature former pole winners, former Daytona 500 champions, former Daytona pole setters, and drivers who made the playoffs last year. The field will be full of experienced drivers, including drivers in new rides. Headlining that group, Kurt Busch, who moved from Stuart Haas Racing to Chip Ganassi Racing to jump in the number one Chevrolet, driven formerly by Jamie McMurray. Ryan Newman leaves Richard Childress Racing to join Roush Fenway. He'll take over the number six car, which was driven by Trevor Bain and Matt Kenseth a year ago. Daniel Hemrick will return the iconic number 8 back to the NASCAR circuit and will do so under the Richard Childress Racing name in 2019. The most notable change in the offseason was Martin Truex Jr. Furniture Row Racing shut the doors and it opened up the opportunity for Joe Gibbs Racing to pick up the 2017 champion. Martin Truex Jr. not only swapped rides but he kept his team and crew chief Cole Pern intact in the move to JGR. Daniel Suarez, of course, former in the number 19 JGR Toyota makes the move to Stuart Haas Racing. He'll go into the number 41 Chevrolet, formerly driven by Kurt Busch. A couple of other changes over the offseason. Ryan Priest makes the jump from Xfinity Series to Cup Series. He'll be in the JGT Doherty Racing Chevrolet, formerly driven by A.J. Allmendinger. And Matt DiBenedetto will move to Levine Family Racing, formerly with Front Row Motorsports. Matt DiBenedetto will take the seat that 
Casey Kane left at the end of the 2018 season. Some other new notables on the track in 2019, the Ford Mustang. Ford's oldest car and world's best-selling sports car will make its debut at Daytona. It had been racing in the Xfinity Series, but now it moves up to the tier Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series for the 2019 season. Other changes in the garage, Chad Knauss, the historic crew chief for the number 48 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet with Jimmy Johnson. He makes a move in the offseason. He will team up with young up-and-comer William Byron in the historic number 24. Also, the Camping World Truck Series is no more. It's now the Gander Outdoor Truck Series. The series switched names at the end of the season, and Gander Outdoors will now sponsor the Truck Series in 2019 and look to continue that through 2022. Speed Week's just around the corner, and it gets started with the Advance Auto Parts Clash, Sunday, February the 10th at 3 p.m. You can see the race on FS1 or on the Motor Racing Network. Also, the lineup for Speed Week's will include pole qualifying, the duels, and all three series being in action, the Gander World Truck Series, the NASCAR Xfinity Series, and it will round out with the Daytona 500 Sunday, February the 17th on Fox and the Motor Racing Network. For your NASCAR preview, my name is Cody Early. Check out the Cody on 92.3 WNPC Facebook page for the latest details in NASCAR. Until next time, we'll see you around the track. Thanks, Cody. Uh, We look forward to having you with us each and every week once the racing season Really revs up. Oh, right, yeah. Man? I like that. I like the ah. little thing you did there. Yeah, I figured it out. So we got NFL playoffs this week. We've got the big games. And then there were four. And then there were four. We've got uh, the NFC playoffs. We've got Rams, Saints. Rams at Saints. AFC, we've got Patriots, Patriots at, at Chiefs. The Chiefs. first time the Chiefs have ever hosted the AFC title game in which, franchise history. Which is shocking. I mean, they've been to the Super Bowl. I mean, they're one of the original AFL football teams. I mean, are you kidding me? You've never hosted the AFC title game? I'm sure Arrowhead's going to be rocking. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that place is going to be the Tomahawk Chop. They're going to be cranking out the Florida State Tomahawk Chop. Atlanta Braves Tomahawk Chop will be fantastic. Go, no. It's going to sound terrific out there. But, yeah, man, I I just, whenever I heard that uh, the Chiefs had never hosted the AFC title game, uh, that blew my mind. But here's the thing. Tom Brady's coming to town. So, uh, mm. is that going to pop your balloon a little bit? <sighs> I, mean, I think it's going to be a great game. I do. I now, let's, so. let's throw that out there. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, Tom Brady is Tom Brady, especially in the playoffs. You can't ever count out Tom Brady. Even last year, it seemed like they were about to pull it out and win it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a great game. It's going to be a great offensive game. True. First I think, 50. <laughs> yeah, I think it will be. I mean, you got Andy Reid. I'd like to see him get to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, the thing that sticks out to me the most with Andy Reid, for some odd reason, is... Mustache. Yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> me too. We're thinking the same <laughs> thing. Is that he got to the Super Bowl with Donovan McNabb and the Eagles and got taken care of by yeah. the Patriots. Yeah. So I'm a little nervous on that aspect. But I think he's got a, a totally different team, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I would definitely like to see the Chiefs come out on top. And, and 
we've talked about it before. I mean, yes, I, I appreciate everything Tom Brady's done. I mean, my gosh, how many times has he been to the Super Bowl? Twenty-two. I mean, over his sixty-eight-year NFL football <laughs> career, it's been—he's only been played outplayed by Adam Vinatieri, who looked like he was wrapping up his seventy-eighth year and also wrapping <clears throat> Christmas gifts. He finished just wrapping them up. You've seen him? He looked—he's got sporting a gray beard. He works two jobs. Wow. So uh, he just came off of the other job, but I just. What he's done is fantastic, and I and I'll give him that. But I just I want a different Super Bowl. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just I want a different Super Bowl than me cheering for somebody to beat the Patriots every year. It's Alabama, the <laughs> Alabama Patriots effect. My goodness, we it's said like, it with the Alabama game, yeah. the same thing. It just gets old. I'm sick of watching them win. <laughs> now, if it was the Buccaneers, I, I wouldn't get sick of them yeah, winning. Now you become just that keep that person. Winning. Uh, okay. No, don't. If you get tired of it, how about you beat us? How about you do that? If you're tired <laughs> we of it, we're not in the AFC, so that makes it a little hard. Yeah. So on the NFC side, and we've got an interview coming up, like we mentioned earlier, with Sandarvis Duffy, uh, works for the LA Rams. Uh, big preview. He actually has a pick in that game. So uh, for, stay tuned. Yeah, listen into that interview. Who he picks. Uh, who wins that thing, you might be surprised. I think the Rams could do it. If the Cowboys had won, I would have definitely said the Saints were going. Yeah. But I yeah. think the Rams give the Saints the best run for their money. I think even more so than the AFC, the NFC is going to be a shootout. Yeah. I think it's just going to be gunslinger mentality. Chuck Last him. one with the ball, sling that thing down the field and let's score. Um, it's going to be a great game, I think. Um what was the score of the last time they played? Like 45-35, I think. Yeah, and I think the Patriots beat the uh, Chiefs by three, didn't they? Yeah, so it's a little bit of revenge yeah. in the air. I right think here. we're going to have a great Sunday. It's going to be awesome. Um, if, I saw this week, if the um, Saints and the Patriots make it, make it to the Super Bowl, it's the first time two 40-year-old quarterbacks are going to be really? quarterbacking the uh, Super Bowl. The geriatric ball. Yes. That's exciting. That'd be awesome. The Lombardi will actually put on a walker, and then so that's exciting. I mean, but what's crazy though is think about this: forty. You're considered an old man in the NFL, but you're forty. Yeah. So I mean, it just I, I just think about that all the time. You see, like we talked about Adam Vinatieri, it's like, gosh, he's old. It's like, no, not really, actually, not really. But yeah, I think uh, I think the Rams will definitely take care of business. I'd like to see that. One thing I hate, and let me say this. Uh-oh. Watching the Saints, anytime you watch the Saints and it's third down and long and you send no blitz, no blitz on Drew Brees, it's first down. First down. Uh, and I can cut, I'll sit there and I'll watch it and I'll get so ticked off. And I'm like, well, this is a first down. There it is, first down. Give the man time, he's going to make you pay. And so, <clears throat> Rams, if you're listening, send the pressure on third down. Send it. Even if it's third down and long, don't give the man the opportunity. Put him under pressure and make him have to put it where it has to be. I think if that happens, if they do that, I'm going to take a little bit of credit for their, okay. All right. for their victory. We'll write it down. Everybody <laughs> out there, write it down. Put it on your Twitter. Sean McVay, <clears throat> love what you're doing, man. Hear me out. He's not listening. Third, third down, just in case. Third down, send blitz. Send blitz. I don't I mean, think – he doesn't even control the defense either. So well, uh, I'm not a defensive guy, so oh, it works out. Oh, yeah, yeah. send it. <laughs> Send the all blitz field goal block, <laughs> but I think it's definitely. I think we've got the best four teams uh, playing to get into the Super Bowl. It's not. Sometimes you get that Cinderella team in there. I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind. Eagles. Yeah, if the Eagles win, how cool is that? You know, I like the Eagles. Yeah. I'd like to see them go. But then you're thinking, no, because I don't know that the NFC title game would be that. You know what I mean? So I think that I think we've got the best four. 
I agree. I think it's going to be an entertaining weekend. I think touchdowns are going to be scored. Points are going to be had. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an awesome time. Uh, what a great time to be an offensive football guy, right? Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, all the rules that protect the quarterbacks and everybody else right now, I mean, all you can do is fling it around. No targeting. Can't hit the quarterback. No pass interference. You can just hit, like, at the belt. You yeah. just got to hit his belt. I think it's two-hand touch now. Yeah, don't, t- don't touch him too hard, though, yeah. at, the, at the belt. I think they actually, if you watch closely, their play 60 flag football program, I think they have flags on mm, I think so. And I so saw I think one you flip around. You pull the flag. He's sacked. We're on to you. We see what you're doing, NFL. If we go missing, it's because we figured it out. Somebody write it down. It's a conspiracy show now. Welcome to the coach's <laughs> office conspiracy hour. The coach's conspiracy. <laughs> so we're here on the, the coach's office back with you when the uh, with the journey part of our show. And we've got Sandarvis Duffy with the L.A. Rams over on the West Coast. Sandarvis, thanks for joining us, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Matt. So we're going to lead into this thing. The very first question, because we've got a lot of kids, at, uh, some of our high school kids listening into the show, and uh, talk about, you know, as your collegiate athlete days, what was it like, you know, being a young man, uh, fresh out of high school, you leave home, you go into a different state, man, and, and now you're playing college ball. What was that like? Uh, for me, man, you know, coming from Orlando, Florida, I really wanted to get out of the state of Florida and go to college and experience something new. Uh, the thing that I remember the most was just that transition of uh, starting all over, starting over, making friends. Uh, I, I feel like not just in high school, but your entire life in the city that you grew up in, you spend all that time uh, building an identity and uh, getting to a point where you're comfortable. And when you go to college, you know none of that you know actually matters. You got to start all over again. Uh, making, not I wouldn't say making friends, but just finding a group of people that you belong to. Even on the team, was yeah. difficult at first. But um, I would say the first three months, I was homesick. Uh, me and my mom got really close because I was calling her like crazy. Yeah. And I would get homesick. But uh, she helped me get through it. She was worried, uh, more worried than I was. But I knew it was just a little phase. But, you know, once the season started uh, going, uh, the practices, traveling with the teammates and uh, just making friends and stuff like that, uh, things got a lot easier. But I would just say just starting over, starting from scratch is uh, probably the most difficult part. Well, that's cool. i say that was a big transition. Yeah, definitely. So what brought you, you said you started at TSU. What brought you to uh, Tusculum? Started at TSU, Tennessee State University in, in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, after my second year, we had a, an entire coaching change. The entire staff got fired. Oh, yeah. And I just felt it was needed. Yeah, I felt it was needed. Uh, I was uh, in need of a fresh start. Right. Uh, I had a friend, uh, Charles Cornelius, who played on the football team at Tusculum. Him and I actually went to high school together. We actually grew up together in Orlando, Florida. Oh, that's cool. And uh, so uh, during, during my re-recruiting process, I was able to talk to him. And I, I felt like I had a good feel for what Tusculum was like, even though I had never been there. It was actually between Tusculum and Wingate. And I know uh, Wingate used to be a pretty big rivalry of ours. Yeah, well, yeah. He used to catch the game back in the day. So, uh, but having him there, being able to talk to him, he was there for like two years, uh, really gave me the feel that I needed to make that decision. So did you have the same same kind of feel when you moved to uh, Tusculum, the same uh, getting to know you thing going on with meeting new people? No, no, when I moved to Tusculum, I, I, I would say uh, at TSU, my first year, first two years, I, I had grew up, you know, once you start growing up, you kind of realize that you may not always be able to find that same comfort level as right. you had when you were growing up in your hometown, yeah. and I think you just deal with it, 
you know, I, I came to Tuscaloosa more business minded. I had already been gone away from home for two years. Uh, knew what it was like to be a part of a program. Actually, having Charles there, I actually made friends a lot easier right. at Tuscaloosa College than I did at Tennessee State because at Tennessee State I didn't know anyone. Yeah. So Tuscaloosa, the transition really, really easy to be honest. It was, and I think it just had a lot to do with just me being more mature and uh, having someone there already. Yeah. Well, and being at Tuscaloosa together, you know, it, talking about that, you ended up in the media program. Now, did you go media straight as soon as you got there, or was that something you transitioned into? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I, I, to answer your question, yes. I knew right away I wanted to do uh, media because you guys didn't have a journalism program. Well, we didn't have a journalism program when I first got there. Yeah. I thought I wanted to be a sports journalist. Those are the type of, like, undergrad classes I was taking at TSU. Uh, once I got to Tusculum, didn't really have a focus in that. So I said, hey, why not? We'll do some TV production, some radio production, those type of things. Uh, so I immediately uh, got into that. Um, I think one of the first things I ended up doing was a, a radio show. Uh, okay. Our professor, Mark, Mark Cox, uh, gave us the opportunity to have a 30-minute block that would go out uh, locally in Greenville. And that was kind of my, my first taste of uh, TV production. I wouldn't say that I knew right away. Uh, what I wanted to do, I just knew I wanted to be creative. Uh, none of the other subjects seemed to really uh, grab my interest. So, uh, do something creative, TV, radio, just something where I can uh, just create would be the path for me. So, like while you were there, in in doing all that, and I, we made we had a lot of radio shows, TV shows, oh, yeah. a lot of late hours up there in that editing suite. I remember uh, having to get on that. Uh, editing and oh man just a lot of late late hours trying to cut all that stuff together for finals <laughs> yeah you know and, and it was a good it was a good i guess brief introduction to what the real world is like you right know, the, the hours are crazy especially i mean there's nothing like working in sports production you know what i mean and the hours are crazy you pretty much go as the team goes as the players and coaches goes uh as the season goes you know Whenever there's an opportunity to produce some content, you want to make sure you do that. So those hours we put in, you know, editing those videos, man, it's, it's still the same thing. And then a lot of it is, you know, how you are the person, uh, being a perfectionist. Uh, the, the videos, they don't have to take four or five hours to complete. You can get it done in 30 minutes. Right. But it's, it's going to reflect the quality of, you know, the, the final output. So yeah. I think the more time you put in it, the more thought you put into it. And, and, you know, you put this video out there, it's, it's, uh, it's, you're, it's representing you, so you want to put your best foot forward. That, that's just my opinion on it. So right. the late hours don't change. You still got to put the work in. So is there something there, like, in doing all that that sparked you when you decided, you know, I want to take this a step further. This is what I want to be. My career, I'm ready to, to really get out in the real world. You know, two things while at Tuscaloosa, uh, our you know, Barth, but Barth, you know, looking back, you know, I didn't realize, you know, how important he was at that time. But looking back, he, he was important for my confidence, you know, just between him and I personally, uh, Barth seemed to have a, a lot of confidence in me. And right. I, I didn't have in within myself because I hadn't really done anything at that moment. I hadn't really shot a camera hadn't really edited or, you know, you know, written scripts or anything like that. Uh, he just used to always encourage me, you know, to believe in myself. Uh, I know you remember the Mandy Project uh, yeah. that we did, and everybody took on certain roles. I happened to take on the role uh, of an editor, and, and Barth wanted me to edit. Uh, I was supposed to edit the entire movie, but our one editing machine uh, <laughs> it ended up uh, 
going to crap on it. Yeah, <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> I overworked that thing a little bit. It was my senior project. You know, we had a senior project, and I was supposed to edit this movie, but I ended up editing a scene. And uh, prior to that, I remember telling Barclay, like, there's no way I want to be an editor. Barclay, like, it's too tedious. There's no way I'm going to sit here and look through all this footage and edit these clips. There's no way I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I sat down to edit that uh, Mandy project, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, it wasn't the best, but I was just impressed that I was able to sort through all that footage and, and make some sense of it. Um, so that kind of initially sparked my interest. I don't think I actually knew for sure that I was like, my role now is, is a producer, editor. I don't think that I knew I wanted to do that until maybe year two or three on the job. But I will say that initial interest was sparked by Barth Cox and um, that editing assignment on the Mandy Project, for sure. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool assignment. Just such a big undertaking, I remember. It, it, it was a huge undertaking. Yeah. And at the time, it's like, you know, I don't know. We're just there filming, and I don't know what we thought we were doing. Or what I thought I was kids, but man, I, or I, kids. I look back at it, and I'm like, dude, like, shout out to Barth for yeah. being all kids under 23 yeah. to really commit to this project like it's after hours it's 7 p.m wow. 9 p.m 11 p.m and we're filming for this movie and we don't seven know days a week yeah <laughs> yeah we're not gonna make any money off of it yeah. but you know we, we, we were dedicated and we we actually did it so that, yeah that was that was really cool i mean just and i mean all the pre-production and i mean of course as a kid it's like you know i'd rather be hanging out and playing games you know i mean just and i felt like everybody kind of focused on that I, I thought that was a pretty cool experience i always think about that pretty often i do too i really do all right i still have some of the i, I had to write a little bit for it. i still have some of the scripts and um, i know I, I found uh, a website about a year ago and it was interviews with us on it you were on there photos oh my gosh uh, man <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how I found it. I think I was just trying to find Barth, and I ended up finding this page, and it was like a 21-year-old Sendarvis up there giving, oh, my goodness. What is the young bucks. <laughs> yeah, a bunch, <laughs> bunch of kids with all the answers. They had it all figured out. <laughs> we had it all figured out. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so you talked about in our in our pre-production meeting, you talked about that we uh, after Tusculum, you ended up going back to Florida. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, where your career took you after Tusculum? Uh, after Tusculum? Still really had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't do any internships. And if there's any uh, kids out there listening, do your internships. The earlier, the better. The key is to get in the door. Internships will get you in the door. Uh, so I didn't do any of that during my time in college. So I went home. Uh, my mom was instrumental. Uh, she got a lot of connections down in Orlando. She's been a school teacher uh, for over 20 years, so she knows a lot of people. Yeah. And was able to get me in contact with some individuals from the Golf Channel. So from there, I had a very small task. Uh, the Golf Channel used to do these reality uh, TV show golf tournaments at Disney where they would take, you know, regular Joes, put them in a tournament, 18-hole tournament, and they would have a chance to win, compete, and to wow. win, and then compete into a professional uh, tournament. I think it was called Disney's Big Break. No, Oh, yeah, I remember seeing that on the Golf Channel, yeah. So that I, I, was, I was in charge of the snacks. <laughs> I, was, I was Sandman the Canteen that was my name I would uh, I would get there super early go out to the pods that's great load, man. Up, load up my golf cart golf cart with a bunch of snacks and I would just ride around to each hole and make sure everyone was you know uh, fueled and replenished with with drinks and, and things of that nature. So that was my first gig. I was handing out snacks to people. Yeah. Uh, from there, I got an internship with the Orlando Magic. Now, that internship was, was funny because um, 
At first, I didn't get it. At first, I didn't get it. They were going to go with one intern. Um, about two weeks later, they decided to go with another. Um, and that was me. So cool. the whole time, I'm like, what are these people thinking by hiring me? Like, my demo reel was trash at that time. I, I, I didn't have anything to really show them what I was capable of doing. And uh, come to find out, they just wanted me to come in and, and burn DVDs, you know, do a lot of the office work. They didn't uh, really have any really uh, ideas for me to really create content. But but that's when um, I would say my learning curve really accelerated because I was around all this nice equipment, didn't have high expectations of me. So I just would sit back and practice, you know. And within six or seven months, I had figured out how to shoot, how to edit. And they started giving me uh, like the team motivationals to edit for the team in the playoffs, and that just gave me a lot of uh, a lot of editing experience. But um, yeah, so from the Golf Channel for about a, for about a year, uh, I worked the uh, I worked at the Bay Hill Invitational, seeing Tiger Hill, I mean Tiger Woods sink it on 18th hole. Yeah, no way. And, uh, yeah, and then about a year later, I uh, did an internship with the Magic. And um, after I uh, did my internship with the Magic, I went on and got a full-time job with uh, UCF um, covering uh, all of their athletics, uh, football, basketball, track, baseball, you name it, we covered it. And, um, yeah, that, that's that's pretty much how it happened after, after college. So what was that UCF experience like? UCF experience, I, I would say, is what got me to where I am today. College is an interesting place to, to do video production because you really have to do it all and there's so much to cover. Therefore, you get a lot of experience. You know, there's no one there holding your hand. Right. It was a lot of crowd and error. It was a lot of times me going out to produce content before I was even ready, you know, not really knowing how to operate, not necessarily not knowing how to operate a camera, but not knowing how to troubleshoot a camera when things don't go as planned. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that experience at UCF uh, just had a lot of opportunities to, to produce and create and really kind of uh, come into my own. Um, so that, that I mean, I, I don't think I would be where I am today without that experience at UCF. Uh, coming out of, uh, coming from the magic, it was either UCF or TNT. to go work at TNT. No. And I, I was talking with my superiors at, at the Magic at that time, and they told me to go to UCF, and I was surprised. I'm like, why wouldn't I go work for TNT? You know, they work on NBA games and yeah. stuff like that. And they were saying, like, hey, you're going to go to TNT, and you're going to do all the, the little grunt work. No, so yeah. you go to, yeah, you know, you go to UCF, they're going to give you your own TV show. You're really going to have an opportunity to grow, and they were right. You know, I learned how to be a camera guy. I learned how, how to be an editor and a producer, and it was it was great. So, like, did you get – how much interaction being at UCF, did you get to interact, like, with the, with the athletes, with the coaches? I mean, how, how far into that were you in there as far as uh, dealing with those people? Uh, it's, it's every day. You know, you, you're, you're somewhat a part of the family. Um, our offices were actually in the actual stadium, in the control room. So we were in the control room working on laptops, and uh, you know we film practice every day, travel with the team, uh, in the locker room, uh, pre and post game speeches, uh, off the field content with the players. So you are around the players a lot. Um, a lot of times that's me, the producer, or whoever's producing a certain piece to go and coordinate with the players, pitch the night, pitch the idea to the coach. Wow. So you do develop relationships there. So I mean. When you work for a team and you're and you're doing a, a lifestyle TV show, or if, if you're just producing content with the team in general and you're traveling with the team, you're pretty much a part of, of that family for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're now currently with the Rams, right? 
The LA Rams were about to about to play in the conference finals this week. Yeah, let's get it. So, what are some things? Hey, let's get it. We're hey, we're both going for you guys. We're both going for the Rams. Upset the Saints. Um, what are some things? What are some differences, similarities in in college work and in the pros? I would say the I would say the workload is a little bit. I don't. The workload isn't light in the NFL. It's just lighter compared to college. Because in college, as soon as football season is over, you go into basketball yeah, season. Yeah, right. Basketball season is over. You got baseball and this, that, and the third. And in the pros, you only focus on that sport. My sport is football. Um, in the off season, there's, there's really no off season because things are still happening. Coaching changes, the combine, uh, the draft, Pro Bowl, all these different things. Off season workouts starting March. So in March, you're pretty much filming again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I would just say you're able to focus on one sport. For me, um, I'm doing the same things I did at UCF. I'm just doing it in the NFL. I'm producing content, uh, TV shows, uh, trying to pitch things to the players. Uh, we go home with players in the off season. Oh, that's uh, cool. we think, think of it as a mix between E60, 30 for 30, and NFL Network. You know, we're giving you those cinematic stories, uh, humanizing uh, these these professional athletes, but we're also giving you just. You know, the, the quick turnaround pieces, the studio pieces, talking head TV shows, uh, traditional interviews and, and things like that. So it's not it's not a, a huge difference. You're still uh, producing content for a sports team. So like with, with being with the Rams a couple years ago, HBO Hard Knocks rolls into town. Did that affect how you guys had to operate? I mean, did you get to work with them? I mean, how does that work as far as you guys being the, the media crew? And then here you got another television show coming in and kind of rubbing shoulders with you guys. Man, we grew tremendously, everyone, because that's the best of the best. Yeah. That's yeah. hard enough. I mean, that's that's what that's what we inspire to be. You know, yeah. I think anything you see from the team level, we're trying to emulate hard knocks or, you know, anyone on that level. Uh, it was difficult at times because obviously you're all covering the same stories, right. the same storylines. You know, so we show up to do something with Aaron Donald. And, oh, oh, NFL Films is there, too. But, oh, yeah. you know, shout out to those guys, the nicest guys ever. You know, not I, mean, I don't know what I expected. I guess I was expecting them to be like, hey, you know, little guys, move on over. NFL Films is here. Right, but yeah. they totally weren't like that. I mean, they would come up to us and ask us what we're doing and just kind of reiterate, hey, we don't want to get in your way. And I'm like, really? I'm trying not to get in your <laughs> yeah, way. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was awesome. A great group of guys. Uh, great group. It was, it was wonderful working with them. Uh, I don't want to say we stole a lot of their ideas, but they inspired us okay. uh, to work to work differently uh, this year. So it, it was a great experience. So, I mean, they tell a heck of a story. So I mean, there's definitely parts of that that you're going to want to take oh, yeah. and emulate. Oh, yeah, yeah they're, they're the greatest. They're, they're the greatest. They, they got some really, really talented guys. So what was that move? That move from St. Louis to L.A. I mean, everybody gets packed up, shipped out to the West Coast. What was that like? It happened so fast. Uh, when I, I think we were talking about it production meeting I, I didn't I had no clue you know I'm moving out to St. Louis in 2012 I just I just want this awesome job this opportunity and then what three years later they're telling us we're moving to LA you know oh, what wow. I mean? yeah uh I remember like it was yesterday we played the Tampa Bay Bucks uh color rush game that was our last game Go Bucks. and that, that <laughs> next day that next day our owner not our owner but our CEO wasn't there so we all go into this auditorium. Our owner, uh, the CEO, skypes in Kevin Demoff no. and tells us that we're moving to L.A. Uh-huh. And 
and he says we'll let you guys know what to do in the next coming week. So at that point, we don't do we keep working? Do we keep coming in? Are we going to LA? This, that, and the third. So uh, him and all the senior leadership, they got together and they came up with you know packages, severance packages for those who weren't going, and, wow. and off for those who were going. So it was it was a sad time to be honest, man, because a lot of people didn't make it didn't make the cut, didn't make the trip out to L.A. A lot of people didn't want to go. Uh, you know, saw people crying because they didn't no. want to go. So, uh, obviously, I got the invitation. My entire department got an invitation for the most part. That's other, cool. other departments didn't, and that was sad. But yeah. uh, but it happened so fast, and, and we moved out here, and uh, we really didn't have a place to stay at first. Uh, I don't know if you know, but the Dallas Cowboys have training camp out here in Oxnard, California. Oh, yeah. So, that first year, uh, Jerry Jones opened up his uh, training camp facility, which is at a hotel in Oxnard, California, to us. Oh, wow. So cool. the first two months, we just all stayed in hotels. We were just all staying out of hotels. They had corporate housing for those who wanted it. And um, by the time we were done in Oxnard, it was time to go to training camp. So at this time, we still don't have a facility. You know, a lot of people don't have homes. You know, we're still in, uh, you know, staying in hotels. Yeah. So by the time camp was over, they built out a facility for us. And obviously by that time, you know, individuals had a chance to go out and find a place to stay. But it was just, yeah, you really crazy. didn't have time to sit and think about what was going on. Yeah. I, I still don't know if I really thought about it, you know. So talking about, you know, being in St. Louis in the Midwest, I think you brought home a couple Emmys out that way, didn't you? I did, I did. I was able to bring home some Emmys. So uh, from, from my understanding, the way the Emmys are, you got the, the daytime Emmys, and, and that's the big, you know, the big time Emmys. Right. Um, and then you got the regional Emmys. I think in, in order to to be in either either or, in order to be be qualified, I'm sorry for a daytime Emmy, your your content has to reach 50 percent of the U.S. market. Don't oh. quote me on it, but I think it's something like that. So that makes obviously sense. We, didn't, we didn't we didn't meet that criteria, so we had to qualify for a regional Emmy, which is the Midwest. I think it was like us, Chicago, somehow uh, Arkansas was in it, Louisiana was in it, and uh, a couple of other different states. And I think I think I was able to bring home, since I was there from 2012 to 2015, maybe 10. Oh, wow. Maybe, yeah, maybe 10 regional Emmys. A lot of them uh, done in groups, you know, group projects. Uh, other, I think I have two individual um, Emmy Awards, we're kind of looking at them now. <laughs> Shut yeah, up, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You got them on a shelf, Shannon. Yeah, I got them on the shelf. I got them on the shelf. I got them on the shelf. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, it was a great experience, man. Um, I don't, I don't like to talk about it too much because it's still another level that I haven't gotten to yet. Right. Um, but at that time, it just kind of let me know that okay, I'm where I need to be. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm at this level. I'm at least winning awards at the level that I'm at right now. Right. So it, it, it gave me a lot of confidence. It's not something I, I talk about. I don't even tell anybody. I didn't even know you knew I had those images. I guess you saw my Social media, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I just try to stay humble about it. You know, and coming out here is really humbling because I was actually watching uh, a war show about a week ago. And I'm like, wow, like, now that, that's where it's at right there. That's where I need to be. But, um, yeah, I got, got some Emmys in, in the St. Louis area. And I'm uh, you know, really cool. proud of the work me and the team. Well, that's, I mean, that's something, too. I mean, that, that helps you with that confidence. I mean, definitely that's awesome fun. staying humble, man. I mean, that's that's great. But definitely pat yourself on the back some because yeah. I've seen a lot of your stuff, and you got you got some good stuff going for you. Don't cut yourself short. I appreciate it, man. You know, you just 
it's enough it's enough cocky people it's enough people out there that talk about themselves right in the world i just you know i, I put my head down i do the work and if i get if i get noticed for it awesome you know when, once it's over i put my head back down and keep keep going again so yes sir you know you, you gotta stay humble man because it's, it's it's always somebody out there you know better working harder whatever the case may be you just want to you just want to get good spirits on your side get some of that good karma man yeah. work hard congratulate people when they do well and then just wait your turn man. yes sir so speaking of coaching changes, we were talking about coaching changes a little earlier. Um, you were there during the Jeff Fisher era, correct? Yeah, yes, so, sir. So what was that kind of like, uh, moving from Fisher to uh, McVeigh? You know, sometimes, man, and, and, and I love Fisher, and uh, Fisher was a great guy, but sometimes, like, things get so bad in any relationship that you just need a fresh start. Yeah. You, know, you need change. You know, some, sometimes there's no fixing it. It just gets so bad that, we got to do something, and that was a situation um, under Coach Fisher. You know, it just it just got really bad. Uh, I don't know who thought it was. I'm not I'm not going down that path. Right, right. I think we lost like six in a row, and the years prior to that, we were always you know seven and nineteen, just subpar. Yeah. Uh, always almost there, but never quite getting over that hump. So I trying to put my put myself in management shoes. Like, what are they thinking when they fired Coach Fisher? I'm thinking that hey. We got this young team that they've been building, uh, the contract situation, and that's, that's going to come to light. You know, we're going to have to pay these guys soon. We need to get someone in here who can get this thing turned around before we lose all this talent that we've accumulated over yeah. the year. Uh, when McVay came in, it was a breath of fresh air. I mean, just offensively being able to move the ball. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, what people, but what people really don't don't see is the behind-the-scenes stuff. He has this whole uh, we-not-me culture. There's not anything new under the sun. I'm pretty sure every football team in America, including Pop Warner, has a we, not me culture. Oh. But it's implemented every day. You know, it's, it's on it's, it's on the walls in the facility. And it's, it's always spoken about. And I think it's just a real team, team thing that's always reiterated every day. Um, holding each other accountable, you know. Um, and then seeing the results, having a guy come in and say, hey, we're going to do this offensively. We're going to do this defensively. And then the players go out on the field, execute it, and it works, you know, the, the buy-in. So yeah. um, I think I think hiring McVay was a good change of pace. And then he obviously did a great job by coming in and showing that what he was bringing to the table was actually going to work. And, and the players bought in, man. When you're out there scoring 35 points a game, everyone's happy. So uh, I would just say I saw a big change in accountability, uh, discipline. The coaches got really good position coaches and assistant coaches. Um, just, just he's awesome. Dude. He's, he's he's our age, Matt. He's yeah. like thirty. <laughs> I know. I think that every time I watch him on television, I'm like, man, he is me standing out there. Dude, great leader, charismatic, command the room, uh, great speeches. Just poised up there. Just I mean, and the, the guys on, on the team are like his age, younger than him. They're just all around the same age. And sometimes I know how I can be with younger leaders or, or people, you know, just people that are close to you in age, trying to tell you yeah. what to do. And he doesn't get that. And I feel like that 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 uh that drawback from the players. They listen. And they cool. believe in. So like the, with him, with McVeigh taking over, and really any coach, really. Do they have any kind of say as far as what you guys do with media stuff stylistically? Like, is there a brand that they're wanting to put out to the world? Or is that kind of something you guys come up with and then you kind of run it by him and see if that's okay? Absolutely. Well, it's, it's 
not him watching it, but the PR department. Right. Whenever we do things that involves players, you know, we'll, we'll uh, produce the content and we'll send it to PR and we'll send it to the player and um, just make sure that they're cool with it. I think being a part of an in-house team, you pretty much understand the tone, and that is let's represent our guys in positive light at all times. I don't right. care what, I don't care if he drops five touchdown passes in one game. When we come back on Monday, you need to make sure it looks like he had an incredible game. Right. So we 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 would never uh, put anything out there that would embarrass our guys, okay, or or, or our coaches or our organization. So uh, from a stylized standpoint, that's totally up to us. But again, if we do something that my boss doesn't like or the vice president doesn't like or the coach or anything like that then we'll have to change it we mic the guys up a lot yeah we had coach, yeah, coach mic'd up uh, <laughs> one day and he got a little excited <laughs> and uh we put it out on the website and I, I think his mom like maybe uh saw the video no and then maybe he said a curse word we know to us it's like yeah, yeah. You know, curse but you know to your mom <laughs> i think his mom got on him a little bit and no way he wasn't too happy about that so <laughs> we, we, we're just always uh making sure that you know we represent these guys in, in the best light possible you know so with that talk about for just a second that game day experience man i mean watching that divisional round last week lebron was there i mean everybody who's anybody in la was hanging out at the game what's that like just being in the game day atmosphere out there you know, the game day atmosphere in L.A., it, it does add a little bit to it, having all the celebrities there. You know, you just know that it's, it's more than a, a football game, yeah. so to speak. You know, someone's going to show up. I, I would say that's that's the only thing that's different. You still get those feels, you know, those goosebumps. You get excited. As I stated earlier, when you when you work for the team and you're producing content for the team, you feel like you're a part of the team. Yeah. You know, you're there in the locker room while those guys are getting dressed, getting footage. Um, you're watching them pray. You're watching them go with the game, and you just you just seeing them look nervous. You know, you just seeing them walk down the tunnel, and you're with them trying to get them walking down the tunnel, and you hear the fans, and it's you just know it's, it's getting close to game time. Feeling. You know, and that that the the NFC uh, the I'm sorry that playoff game against the Cowboys that that was pretty intense. That was just crazy. High yeah. expectations that game. We sold out. Uh, Dallas brought a good crowd. Another interesting thing about LA is they like to joke around and say that we don't actually have home games because <laughs> LA is such a such a transplant city. And what I mean by that is like no one is actually from here. Everyone moves to LA. Yeah, no doubt. So you, got, so you got fans of all these different teams, and when we played the Eagles, the Packers, and the Cowboys. That stadium was split 50 50. No. With our, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, uh, I think it was that Packers game. It was It was a few times that their fans were louder Dang. than us. <laughs> so, uh, it, but, it, but it makes for a great, great game day experience. And that, that's one unique thing about LA is that of all, of all the games I've been to, the big games, we've never really outnumbered the opposing team's fans. We probably mirrored them 50 50, I would say. So when you get on the road with these guys, is there one stadium that just has that feeling that kind of sticks with you a little bit more than another? Let me think. I would say Green Bay, man. I went to Green Bay about two years ago, and it was phenomenal. Yeah. Because you go to these NFL games and, you know, big fancy video boards and fancy graphics and this, that, the third, and this contest and this on-field game. Green Bay didn't have none of that. <laughs> Green wow. Bay, Green Green, they didn't have, they had cheerleaders, but not your traditional NFL cheerleaders. They had like old school cheerleaders, <laughs> like Pop Warner, high school <laughs> college cheerleaders. They had a college 
the stands. Oh, cool. I think they, I think they did like one contest, like in the fourth quarter. It's just really like you're going back in time. It's right. like old school, old time football. I really enjoyed that, especially working in production. Like we, we put so much into the game day. Sometimes it doesn't feel like an actual game. But the Green Bay game, it felt like, man, we just coming to watch a football game. It was awesome. That is pretty cool. Definitely. All right, so we got to get, as we're starting to wrap up here, we got to get your prediction uh, for this game against the Saints this weekend. Well, obviously, man, obviously I'm going to be biased, but I know a thing or two about football. Yes, sir. I, I think that we're going to beat them. And this is just coming from the standpoint of it's, it's really hard to beat a team twice in one year. Yeah. I really don't see them beating us. Uh, twice we almost beat last time we came back we just was a little too late we started off a little too slow so I, I think we get them i think it's a close game i wouldn't be surprised if it's an overtime i think it's a high scoring game i think it's going to be one of those games where breeze is going to march down the field and score yeah. and we're going to march down the field and score so high power game that's always fun to that watch game. I, bet, I bet it's going to be like that Chiefs game how could it not yeah, yeah. It not be like that so yeah I, I, I like the rams i like this by 10 Oh, okay. Ooh. I like this by ten. All right. I think yeah. I, I think I could take that. I like this by ten. Well, man, I need you to I need you to go to Atlanta and go to that Super Bowl, so then we can get you back on here and tell us about that Super Bowl experience. Man, I would love to. I would love to. Super Bowl is probably going to be crazy. Uh, we've all, we're already kind of gearing not gearing up for it, but logistically planning and talking about uh, different things that may happen. We'll be down there for that entire week. So, oh no you guys give me a call we get back on the show uh check in with you guys let you know how it's going man that that we appreciate it well, we got sandar for stuffy man i i gotta call you county i mean i just that's just how hey, that's just how it is but hey i appreciate you coming into the coach's office you're on that west coast time so it's a little bit different for you right now but man thanks for coming in we appreciate it thank you matt man i really enjoy what you're doing man we appreciate you well that about wraps up our show for episode five of the coach's office this week be sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms on Twitter at, at coaching underscore office. On Facebook, you can search The Coach's Office. And on Instagram, you can search at The Coach's Office. Also, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Make sure you share our Twitter posts and hit those five stars if you really like our program. For Matt Ripley and myself, Kyle Donahue, thanks for listening. And as always, if your last one out, turn off the light and lock up the gate. This has been a presentation of the Coach's Office, produced by Quotable Productions.